3, 2, 1, roll the footage! Welcome back everybody to the Strategy Sprints podcast. I'm your host, Simon Severino. What if you could hang out with sprinters and ask them about their problems, their workflows, and their solutions? This is exactly what we do today here with the host of the EntrePods podcast. We will deep dive into how to reverse engineer your business foundations and how automations will help you realize your number one goal. Welcome everybody, Jennifer Gligorich. Hey, I'm so excited to be here with you guys today. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and tell us, what are you currently creating? Right now, I'm actually creating a bootstrap bootcamp for struggling entrepreneurs on what they need to do in the next month to turn things around. So that's my my biggest uh, goal right now. And what are they struggling with? What are the main topics that they they bring forward in your world? Well, right now, everybody, there is an entire global shift. It's a global consciousness shift and there's a global workplace shift. And I have been scaling primarily remote or virtual workplaces for over a decade. And so now I've been telling people number, you know, for, for, for 10 years, you know, if we're going to save the environment, stop carbon emissions, strengthen our communities, be there for our children, fix our broken educational system, uh, and, and, and just be better for the planet as a whole, we need to go back home, right? And work, work from home. And so I've been helping companies do that, save tons of money, increase their ROI, increase their profits and their daily happiness. So now that the whole world has kind of experienced this a little bit, they realize that, oh, it's not just like sitting in your jammies all day long. There is a lot of work you have to do in order to have a virtual workplace. So for business owners who are thinking about it, some of them failed miserably during during the quarantines and some of them thrived. And it's because the old traditional work styles and structures and processes and procedures that traditional workplaces have don't work in the modern world and they don't work for this. So you have to retrain all the management, retrain the owners, retrain everyone. And so that is mostly what I talk to people about because they're like, how do we do this? How do we manage people remotely? How do I stay motivated? How do I not just work 24 seven because I live at work, literally? You know. So there's all these different types of struggles that, that go into it um, and also to determine who, you know, not all companies can do this, but many can be hybrids. You know, some people can work from home and some people are not good at working from home. They're miserable with that. So you have to figure out if that's you or not and, and just making those changes and then putting in the technology um, and the processes that support that in the background. Tell us about your podcast. You run the entrepreneurial podcast called Entrepots. Uh, when did you start it? Why did you start it? Well, actually, I started it. Uh, the podcast started out for another company that I owned. I used to own a legal services company for real estate investors and entrepreneurs. I'm a big fan of anonymity and the right business structures. Like if anyone has an LLC and you can go to a state website and it pulls up your name and your address as a member, you're doing it wrong. 
it's the 2020s now. You're not back in the 1980s. That is an antiquated structure. So we were helping people do business safer and better. And I started out that podcast and it became a pretty big hit. I was on a lot of the top shows, Rod Khalif, Entrepreneurs on Fire. I was doing master classes. And then during COVID, I had partners and the partnership broke up because the other two partners kind of ghosted, even though my most profitable months were March and April of, of COVID. So sometimes that happens and I was failing and I went into a, a master, a master class with armor up consulting. I became a client and I was like, how have I built these massive global businesses? And then my baby is failing. Like I just, I could not believe it. I was so pissed really. And I had to get coaching, even though I'm a consultant and I'm a coach, I had to go get mentorship. I went into a group of very high performing business owners and uh, it was through their support that I made it out of that. I relaunched the podcast as Entrepods and now I've been able to be much more expansive, reach a bigger audience than I ever could have before because I was able to fail forward. So we're going to fail as entrepreneurs. You just don't be so terrified of failing, you know, just get back on the wagon again and go forward. I learned so much through failing that I wouldn't take it back. So now entrepods, what we do is we ask the question, so now what? And it can be, so now what after COVID? So now what? that my kids left the house and I want to change. So now what with an exit strategy? You know, I always thought I would do this with my business and now I think I need a different ex exit strategy. Wherever you're at, you know, a lot of people right now are asking, so now what? So really we talk to, we have an interview style show. I bring in a lot of experts and I learn a lot from these experts and we just talk to entrepreneurs. So now what investing? So now what? Um, for mindset and building your business. You know, some people get into, they pay off all their bills and they they go debt free and they do all this stuff and then they can't get a business loan and they don't understand why. And so we have to teach people that the way rich people think about money and the way most people are taught about money are two totally separate worlds. And once you open that up, your whole life opens up. So we talk about things like that. And then we talk about nuts and bolts basics, like how to actually do things, you know, rather than everything's kind of in the sky. So it's a pretty fun show. I'm really loving it. Beautiful. And one of your tips for us is that we should reverse engineer our business foundations. Can you unpack that? Yes. So one of the biggest things when I do fractional consulting, so I have the show and then I also do uh, consulting and I'm like a fractional founder. I come in and I find one of the biggest things I do at the very beginning is try to find out the entrepreneur or the business owners well, and the business owners path of purpose. Like, why are you even doing what you do? Is it just because you needed money and you fell into it? Or was this a passion for you? And then what we do is we figure out their number ones, why they're, what's keeping them up at night, why they're doing what they do. And then I reverse engineer the business to fit that. So I'll ask questions like, you know, how many hours a day are you physically really able to work? You'd be amazed at how many people that varies from really only three hours a day to, oh, I'll work all day long. Right. Or, how many vacations do you want to take? 
Do you have children? Do you have any physical or, or other needs that you must take care of during the day? Is fitness very important to you that you have to take breaks? You know, the basic things of their life. And then I start, and then I find out about their income goals. What do you really need? Once we figure out what their life is, then we can get a true income. Because typically when I ask people what they want to make, they lie. They don't even know they're lying. It's not a lie to them. They're just so used to a million dollars or 10 million a year or, you know, these these numbers they've really pulled out of their butt, but they really don't know what they mean. They've never reverse engineered that to a daily of what they have to do to get that number. And I found out because I did it on myself. You know, I thought, why am I keep on saying this number? And then I ended up writing an article and having it published about entrepreneurial peer pressure, you know, going to uh these, you know, you, you stand up, well, why are you here today, Bob, you know, in our networking group? Well, I want to be a millionaire and make a million dollars a month, you know, or whatever it is. We always say these big numbers. And what we're doing is we're just gaslighting ourselves hmm. and we're miserable. And so I talked about how many ways we gaslight ourselves in our life. So if you actually have radical honesty and acceptance on who you are and what you really want, most people won't come to that. When I actually figured that out for myself, what do I really, really want? I thought I would like to take a cruise every quarter. I love taking cruises, a week long cruise. And, and I also do my best work right after I come back from a cruise because I'm so inspired. I love to snorkel. I love to be in the water and I love all of that. Right. And so I want to take a cruise, you know, this type of cruise. I live in Galveston so I can just get on a boat. And then I figured out how much that would cost. And I want to live in this type of house with this type of overhead. I'd love to have a maid that came in twice a week. You know, like I really thought about if I was just completely happy. And, you know, that actually came out for me at the time I did it. Now, cost of living has jumped up. But I was saying million dollars, million dollars a year. What I actually wanted was 150, I think, $6,000 a year. That's all I actually needed to bring in to be happy, to live the life I really wanted because I, you know, and, and I was at a place where I didn't need all the other, other things, you know, that I had wanted before, you know, like clothes and I need to be able to get Botox every week or whatever it was. Right. And so once I realized that it took the pressure off and guess what? I started hitting it and I started having a life that I really, really wanted. I had been sabotaging myself the entire time because I was never happy because I was never meeting my goals. So that's what I do with business owners. We figure out exactly what it is. And sometimes their number is more than a million. It's at least 10 million. It's this. And then we go and we figure out in their business what we need to do. And most of the time, those owners are working so hard in their business, they can't work on their business. So then I start to structure the business to pull them out, to get other people into the business. We figure out their effect effective hourly rate. So most people don't know what their effective hourly rate is. When I ask them, they go, I don't know. Um, my hourly rate's $110 an hour. Well, for most business owners, we're talking, it can be hundreds of dollars an hour. And if you don't have people working for that, you know, or we're, we're, let's say you spend five hours a week on email, right? Just sifting through junk email. And Let's figure it out. What if your effective hourly rate was only $30 an hour? You're basically spending $30 an hour for you to do email. 
Go get someone else to do that so that you can go and be the creator. You can go and be the engineer, the SEO expert, or the marketer, or the content writer, or whatever you're doing in your business. That's what you need to be doing, not sifting through junk emails or, you know, taking customer service calls. So most people are so afraid, I can't afford it, I can't afford it. And I, once we get someone on board, they always tell me, I couldn't afford not to do this. I don't know why I was doing this. That was such a bad idea. I actually could afford that much easier. And yeah, you can because you start making more money. You know, you're pulled out and now you can bring it in. So when we reverse engineer it, I look at their whole life and their whole business and we create the business to fit that. Some people you can't do it because they're unrealistic. They can't be honest and they can't radically accept where they're at. You know, there, if you are, have an illness that you have to take care of and it causes you to be out of commission for hours a day because you are physically unable to do something and you give me these really high numbers, unless we can get funding and an entire staff to help you out, it's not going to work if you say, well, I just want it to be a small operation right? So we have to be radically honest about where we're at and we can get to whatever goal it is as long as you have that. Backwards engineering from the life that you dream to have and then yeah. make that happen. Beautiful. Next thing is when you do this, then now you line up your action and many of these can be even automated, which is beautiful. We want to hear everything about it after one word from our sponsors. Hey, if you like the tools, go grab them for free at strategysprint.com slash tools. How can we automate? How much can we automate? Well, you can automate a lot. <laughs> I mean, and automation isn't always a technology solution. Sometimes automation is letting someone else do it. So I think about automatically getting things done in a way of hiring someone to do it and using the technology properly. For example, I am currently working on a project with a person, with a company. I don't know how do I say it. Basically, it's a government contract. It's a very large scale contract. We're excited to work with this person. They're scaling up because they got this contract. And so it's all wonderful, right? But in the back end, I start looking at the foundation. And most people have software. They pay good money every single month for the software, the software that they have, but then they don't use it the way it's supposed to be used. They don't learn about the software. They don't pay the extra money to get the training on the software because they quote unquote have no time. So because they have no time, they pay a lot of money for something that they are only using where as much as you would use a spreadsheet. You know, they have a CRM and there's names and there's addresses in there, but they haven't hooked the CRM up to their calendars, to their emails. They're not using it to, to, to have any automations with emails or follow-ups or customer service or all the things that the CRM offers. And then in the end, they're just leaving so much money on the table. Literally just, I, I just picture change going ching, 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 ching. I'm trying to go and grab it all and say, look, we lost this here. We lost this here. So it's just, you have to use, if you're going to pay for something, utilize it to the best of your ability. Spend the time to set it up in the beginning and to set everything up you can and to, and to learn about it. And if that's not your bag, hire someone, invest, get a loan if you have to, do a, do, do a barter and trade for what you do and what they do. Because 
if you utilize the softwares correctly, it's amazing how much money starts to come in the door because you're now starting to truly automate. And most people pay for things and don't use them correctly. Like Slack, I mean, just Slack is an incredible automation, especially if you're going remote. And But a lot of people won't use the integrations. You can integrate Drive. You can integrate Signing. You can integrate all these cool little programs, Asana, your project management into Slack. So talk to someone. You know, if you're, if you're trying to do this, a lot of things we do is we figure out, okay, what do you... What do you want this to do and how can we automate it through using your integrations and what you already have? You know, I'm not a fan of reinventing the wheel or fixing something that isn't broken, but I definitely want to improve the processes that people have. So, yeah. Delegation has been such a game changer also for me. Uh, and I, 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 it, it saved my life, basically it gave me 40 hours of my life back per week. I started with the things that I am not good at, like the bookkeeping and admin, and then emails, having somebody doing the email correspondence, the outreach, then the marketing, um, then operations. I fired myself from the core fulfillment. That was uh, easier than I thought. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, it went really well. Quality was very high, is even higher than when I did it. And, um, and because I hired very good coaches to do that. And then um, uh, and I also was helped by business coaches being a coach myself because it's just better um, and, and it's fun. Uh, and then also uh, the last part was the sales part. So mm -hmm. um, it, it is possible and it, it took me three and a half years for the whole thing. So it is possible and it's powerful. Um, how? What are some of your favorites uh, automations uh, that that save you time right now? Well, number one, graphic design and video editing. See, I can do all of that. I can even create websites. I've created tons of websites, and so and I like to be creative. So it was hard for me to pull back from that one because I actually enjoy that part, but. It's a time sucker. My time is best spent uh, speaking with people and figuring out bigger solutions, which I also really love. So I had to put my love list down and then my do, you know, if I could never do this again, what would I do? What would I not do? And I put that all down. So getting rid of the the graphic design and, and finding someone, um, once I did that, it was like, everything freed up. So for me, it was graphics and video editing and design and then promotion with podcasts. So I have somebody that works with me with that. And then for my leads and the sales, I will still do certain sales, but as far as like leads and LinkedIn, that was huge. So how I did that is I just became a value to other coaches and my coaches. And now we have partnerships and swaps. I will give my, you know, I will help on projects they have, and then they have people that'll help me. So I was able to do that a little bit more creatively than hiring on a team myself. But I have hired teams for other people too. But, you know, I always try to look at things in the most creative way possible and see, is there any way I can barter? Is there any way I can give something of value to get rid of this off my list? So, yeah. And the hardest thing is to give up something that you like doing. So mm -hmm. what was the internal conversation with yourself? Yeah, but I like it. Yeah. But so why, why did you have to give it up? 
because the time, because my effective hourly rate, when I figured out what my hourly rate was like per project, once I had a project and what I charged for to do a certain project. So I had a project and I was doing all the, the work for it. So then I went back and I did what I work with clients to do. And I figured out, okay, this is how many hours I worked on this, 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 and this, this is how much money I brought in. This is how much the software and everything else cost. So at the end, it would have been the effective hourly rate. You know, once I paid all the bills for the company and, and everything else, what was left is me because I'm the business owner, right? Right. And then I figured out this hourly rate and it was quite high. And I thought, well, I could make that even higher if I would hire somebody for less than my effective hourly rate. And so that's what I did. And I made it better on myself because I have a, a strategic HR background. So I really, I really made sure my marketing and my job ads and the entire funnel to bring in a top talent candidate that I had matched my core values and the culture that I was trying to do. So by the time I had candidates that had went through that funnel just to, just to get to me, even from the initial screening, I had already attracted the personality that I want and I made sure to repel the types of personalities I didn't want. So I spent a lot less time in the recruiting process talking to only really super cool people and I found I found a, a perfect mm. fit. So, yeah. I, I, I also struggled with some tasks and I gave myself the 3x rule. I said, Simon, as soon as in that time you can bring in in the same hour, let's say it costs $30 to, to have somebody do that task. As soon as you can bring in in one hour $90, this is when you need to let it go because the opportunity cost is there. The opportunity of having three times more effectiveness, this is when you should get out there. And I don't know if it's mathematically correct, but it helped me with this negotiation inside myself. And it was right. No, that is right. That is very much like figuring out the effective hourly rate. I mean, I use the mathematical formula for it, but in the end, you're right. You have to be able as an owner to pull yourself out of that business so you can work on it. So you can see the whole of it because hopefully you do, you've thought about an exit strategy. You're trying to create something that can be sold at one point or has value for you. You know, you don't want a business that has no value. So if you can create something valuable and you can sell something, um, that's important. A lot of people just want to work at the same thing until they go. Um, but I know some really incredible business uh, brokers, um, one in particular, and he's like, yeah, but imagine creating a business and then getting paid well for that business. And you can take that money and you can create something even better and new. And then once you sell it, you're now giving an opportunity to someone else to tap into that passion and take it in a direction you never even thought of, you know? So it's almost like the reuse market or taking a house. We don't just take the house and just like abandon it and let it just go into dust. The idea is to have another family move in and renovate it and make it even better. And, and, and to keep that it's better for the planet. It's better for everything else. And we also have two generations, Gen Z, well, three, you have Gen X, uh, millennials and Gen Z. So these three generations were hit hard by massive economic disasters mm -hmm. and they're all struggling hard. So if you can build a business and get paid well for it so that they could step into something, now you've created 
jobs for an entire market of people. You know, and I think and if you ever really listen to millennials and their hatred of boomers, I mean, they hate boomers. Right. And, you know, these people ruined the planet. You had you you got this prosperous economy, you've ruined it and we have no opportunities. I mean, they're just insane negativity. Right. But what they're most mad about is the hodling, which is the, the type of financial hoarding that 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 generation does. Now, I would I will always counter with them. Yes, but but the people of their age group historically always carried the most wealth because they've had a lifetime of working. Right. But there is a, a very big disparity in our current time. So if you can get to that point and then create this opportunity, uh, that is just going to help that that is going to be a much better legacy for yourself financially, as well as for others. Absolutely. One question being discussed in the, chat right now is my business is ready to scale and we're choosing which tasks to hire and what to hire third party solutions for. What's your take? When should we hire in into our team or when should we outsource? Oh, well, it depends on what type of company you have. Can you give it if they give us a little bit more information? I, I can tell you what it is. One of the things that a lot of people I think should think about, and it really depends on what you're doing. So if you're a marketing or advertising or SEO company, you don't want to outsource those things for other types of companies, though. Hiring an agency moving moving out is usually a pretty good a good source because a lot of especially if they have branding and they understand your voice. So one of the things that I would say is, is if you are not in the marketing space and you're not running an agency, this won't work for you, but for other people to look at outsourcing your marketing at first, get a company that understands your voice and can jumpstart you on your social media and on your marketing and get your strategies up because a lot of companies and business owners will just go down the, the rabbit hole. They'll just be on Facebook and let me reach people and let me do all this stuff and really you're not getting the ROI on any of it. The only time you get ROI is when you take people off of social media and you get them into your email and then you talk to them and they become yours because t Twitter and Facebook and all of those other followers, those are Facebook's fans. Those are Twitter's fans. They're not really yours. And at any given moment, the algorithms will unfollow them. And I know this because I've been at trainings with Twitter and Facebook and their company and their algorithms are for them to make Facebook bigger, to get more money for Facebook and for Twitter. And so if you have people that aren't really engaged, they only want to buy from you every six months, the algorithms don't know that they're buying from you every six months. They just see that they're not engaged. So they will unfollow them from your accounts. That's why you just have every now and then 400 people go or 200 people or sometimes 20 people, right? And you're like, what happened? Did I say something? No, it's an algorithm, right? And in Facebook's mind, well, they weren't engaged with you anyway. This is helping you. This is going to be basically your cue that maybe you need to advertise more so you can get more engagement. So when they do that, the company will pay for more advertising and then Facebook and Twitter make more money, right? Sapotation answered your question. It's a SaaS for compliance, RPA to fetch documents in government entities, data science, and give fresh information to the client. Software. Oh, for okay. 
fetch documents in government entities. So one thing, one thing I would talk to you about is compliance. So if you have a government company and you are having a government contract, I would read the fine print very carefully on the types of things you're allowed to outsource because many times in government contracts, they, they limit you or they put so many restrictions on NDAs and other types of things. It can be a nightmare to hire or a nightmare in terms of how much money it costs just to recruit those people. So I would look through, um, it's business to business and I'm the data scientist. Okay, so for someone uh, like you, if you're working for a government, I would make sure you look at the contract and see who you're allowed to do. And then to fetch documents, I would do just the most, since you're already a data scientist, I would think first, what do I already know how to do really, really well that is easy for me to manage remotely? right? So if it's a type of coding, if it's a type of other thing, what do I have enough familiarity with that if they made a mistake, I could immediately be, be on it because remote management is different. So I would set up your project management, I would have your Slack done, and then I would start to outsource any of those, those, those core things that you can, you can get. I mean, because there are certain types of coders and there are certain types of, of lower level uh, IT people that you could go. There's also another good source is interning. They have, I'm thinking off the top of my head, there's two or three companies you can actually get an intern that is degreed in whatever that you want them to do. And they can work with you up to three months and then you have to hire them or not. Sometimes you have to pay them and sometimes they're willing to do it for free. So because we're opened up to remote work, you can get, you know, people that have worked for 20 years, but they're looking to shift out of what they're doing. And they'll say, well, my only thing is I can, I can only work at night. I have a day job, but I'm willing to work for free for you because I want to move over to your industry. So I would also look into, to the interning type of companies for anything like that, because you can not only can you get incredible help for very low when you're scaling up, if not free, but you can also meet and network with people you would have never had the opportunity to, to hire or, or, or afford before. I second that. Absolutely. Uh, Sepultation, thank you for your question. Hope, hope we could contribute a little bit. I, in, in terms of interns, uh, my colleague, Michelle, she has on average eight interns working with her for three months. And um, mm -hmm. right now, because of the lockdowns, um, she has a partnership with universities in Hong Kong because they cannot go out there and have an internship um, uh, just locally. So they, they reach out to companies and they, they reach out to us. So you can even reach out to universities and networks and they are very, very glad to have these opportunities. And um, yes, there, there are amazing talents there. You are right on the spot. We want to help clients with government contract, assure they are doing everything above board. Thank you, Sabotation. Yeah. I am so pumped uh, to hear who you nominate for the strategy award after one word from our sponsors. Hey, if you love what you are hearing, you will love our free masterclasses. Go grab them at strategiesprints.com. So you can pick only one person. When everybody's zigging, this person is zagging. But from your perspective, they are doing the right thing. Who do you pick? 
I pick Jonathan Garrig with Armor Up. He is my coach and mentor. And now I work with Mar Armor Up and I have a partnership with him. So I went from being a client to, to, to working with them as, a, as another type of partner. But he's a very young father. He has four boys under the age of eight years old. He owns multiple businesses. Now it's well over 10 businesses. And he not only does he have one of the most intense and effective masterminds I've ever been a part of, and, and I've been you know, in business doing this for over 20 some odd years, but he really, he saved me. He saved me at a very difficult end of a company. I, if it weren't for him, I wouldn't have failed forward. And I've been on, I would have been on a, a sinking ship. It would have been horrible. Um, but I've also seen him fail forward himself in other businesses and then scale other ones. And he's just doing everything right. When he talks to someone, he, he thinks of all the different types of ways that they can work. He never, he thinks so expansively and his core is how can I be of value? He's very service entered, even though he's a business owner, it's what is my value out in the world? And I don't know if that's because he's in ministry and he's just centered like that, but it really it has transformed me. When you take the the question of how can I be of value as your number one, rather than how much money can I make or what can I get this person to give me, your whole entire world changes. You become so much more abundant and you become so much more happier. And I see him do that on a daily basis, despite having four little kids running around and doing all this other stuff like that. So I nominate him for Beautiful. sure. Beautiful. And uh, I'm curious, uh, Three books that inspired you most. Yeah. Okay. So for change and handling fear is who moved my cheese. And that's by Dr. Spencer Johnson. In fact, I ask people all the time as I coach him, well, what would you do if you're not afraid? Hmm. Well, if I wasn't afraid, I'd be doing this because fear is stopping so many people from doing the right thing. Uh, if you, for living my life on purpose, it's the dream giver and it's following it's about following your God's destiny. And that's by Bruce Wilkerson. And then my all time favorite, you know, like what I think is the manual on how to live a good life is the little prince by Antoine de Saint-Zuberi. So that one, I will just read that over. And as I've grown up, you know, as a little kid, I loved it for different reasons. You know, I think I just liked it from his drawing of the elephant, right? It was a snake and there's an elephant inside. And I remember thinking, yeah, adults like are a head. stupid. No, no, no. Yes. It's a snake with an elephant inside. Yeah. <laughs> right? I loved it, right? And now I realize about keeping your childlike joy, questioning the truth about love. You know, we mm -hmm. don't, real love is the people we have to care for and sacrifice for because we spend so much time taking care of them. And that's why when he saw all the other roses in the field and he got kind of angry because he missed his rose because he had fought with his rose. He had cared for her. He watered her. He put the glass over her. And that is what made her more beautiful than this field of beautiful roses. And in our life, we have children and we love them so much because we have to keep them alive for so long and care for them. And then the people that we care for. So uh, just the whole book that has like 12 lessons of life in the book when you read it now as an adult, I appreciate that on such a different level. And this fits very well together with uh, why you nominated um, that person for the strategy award because he was caring and being of service all the time. Yeah. So um, yeah, I love it that you bring up love 
which is which is not always brought up in the in the context of business and entrepreneurship and scaling businesses but mm-hmm. i think it is central it is what it's all about caring and being of service is an act of love and uh, yes, our our is. own website some people some people uh, deride us and say why is it the, the love page i want case studies and it's the love page and say yeah 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 it's <laughs> strategiesprints.com/love and this yeah. is where where our clients describe the journey with us and the impact etc and it we, we say it's the love page because it's about caring and these are the people we spend so much time with and we care about their success and and that's why we have a dedicated page where they they speak and then they, it's it's I a love, love that. page yeah so and when somebody cares when a team cares you feel it it's a different uh, atmosphere in a restaurant where they love cooking yeah, there is another smell in the air right yes so much if you bring your passion to it and like i've actually worked with people who i've went into their business and when i talk to them okay so what's your passion what are you doing this for their number ones and they're like well i just need to make money it pays the bills it got it got my kids through college well if you could be doing anything what would it be well i would paint or i would do something else but that's not going to bring in the bills and i've got to tell you i've helped two people within the last three no five years move from something that was paying their bills into what they told me absolutely told me would never pay their bills it was just a hobby and they make more money now doing the hobby and they're happier and it doesn't feel so much like work so don't ever think i mean there's people who knit sweaters for cats and they make money on that so like you know you can do it not that I think, not that I would know how to scale the cat knitting sweater <laughs> business, but, but they do it, right? They do it. So, yeah. But your passion is, has come across very well until here, until Austria. And I'm sure in, in, in all 114 countries listening right now and watching. Uh, so uh, where can people, if they feel like, oh my God, this resonates. I want to work with Jennifer. Where can get a hold, where can they get a hold of Jennifer Gligerich? Well, they just need to go to entrepods.com. That's E-N-T-R-E-P-O-D-S.com. Or on social media, if you put the at sign entrepods, all of our social media comes up. We're on iTunes and Apple and everything else and the website. And I mean, I'm pretty easy to find. I love this. Thank you, Jennifer, for being on the show and uh, sharing generously your journey, your wisdom with us. Well, thank you for having me. I've, I have had a fun time. And Sapitation, I was really glad to be able to speak with you, and I'm glad I was able to be a little bit of help. With yes. And, um, and uh, one last question. Who should be my next guest? I think you should have Amanda Abeya. Um, she is a millennial finance expert and she spent years learning about finance and writing about it and then putting that finance into her own uh, life. And one day she just said, you know, I'm doing everything that I'm writing about and I'm the expert, right? And she was featured on major media, you know, TV and HuffPo and a writer for this and Forbes and all this major stuff, but it wasn't working for her. So she thought maybe what I'm teaching people really doesn't work anymore. And she started being creative and really expanding and listening to other people and uh, people that 
were outside the box. And all of a sudden she learned, you know, about money mindset because she had kind of like not thought about that before. Like it's all strategy, not mindset. And then when she listened to that, it, she realized there are different ways to save. There are different ways to invest. And she grew her business during COVID and has hired more people during the lockdowns. And now she's teaching that to everyone, like all the newest strategies that actually work that she uses, that she's helped other people um, do. And she created a new, num uh, new company. Um, yeah. It's like amazing because she was, you know, she came from one school of thought and she was doing quote unquote, everything right. And it took her doing everything different mm -hmm. for her to really see change. So I, I just love her story and I love what she's doing and she's incredibly successful. So that helps too. Yeah. Beautiful. We are all excited to meet her. Thank you so much. <laughs> see you soon. Bye. Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.